Sacrificial service is what I want to talk to you about today. Now, the, the passage we're going to look at is in Mark chapter 14. And um, there's actually two other parallel passages in Matthew chapter 26, John chapter 21. We're going to look at the Mark chapter 14. Now, it says this. Now, this, is, this passage, what we're reading about, is according to John chapter 12. It says this is six days before the Passover, so we're, we're, we're getting in right just before the last week of the cru- crucifixion. They say this is happening on Saturday, what we're about to read. Uh, on Sunday, Jesus is going to enter in Jerusalem where they're going to throw down the palm branches and say, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And then um, the following week is going to be the crucifixion, that ne- next uh, what, Friday. Just a few days left. So this is what uh, we have here. It says here, Mark chapter 14. It says, Now, and being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came, having an alabaster flask of very costly ointment of spikenard. Now, we're going to find out in other passages, that's Mary. Remember Mary and Martha and Lazarus, the three siblings? This is Mary. And it says, She broke the flask and poured it on his head, but there were some who, had, who were indignant among themselves and said, Why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Sacrificial service. Now, I thought, you know, back on my life of how many things I really sacrificed for the Lord. And, you know, a lot of times we always think it's something great and grand. And it can be. It can be great and grand. But really it's, it's more than that, and I want to get into to that as we get into this, the message. But first, I want to look at these two other services you might say that are going on while she's doing what she's doing, and that is the first is the artificial service. Artificial service. It says there in Mark chapter four, verse, uh, 14, verse 4, and what we read, it says there were some who, had, who were indignant among themselves and said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? You know, artificial means insincere, feigned, false, unnatural, forced, hollow, pretend, phony or fake. That's artificial. Now, I've done some artificial service in my time. I'll be honest, you know. I've done some things that it was hollow. I mean, it was, there was no heart in it at all. Um, some things I've done, you know, just because I... Thought I had to or something. But really this is kind of talking about people who really aren't, aren't even of the kingdom of God. We come to find out in John chapter 12, it says here in John chapter 12, when John tells us the account, he says, Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, that's not Simon Peter, the, the apostle, but this is another gentleman. It says, Who would betray him said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And he said, This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. See, 
So that was Judas. So we come to find out Judas was either the instigator or at least the loudest voice in this protest. Artificial. So, you know, in the church, you're going to have some artificial people. You're going to have some people who just aren't, just aren't Christians. They come and they, they probably even do some service and do some things, but there's really no heart at all because they're not one of God's. And you have to expect that. Can't let that discourage you from going to church. Matter of fact, I'm glad they come because maybe the, in time they'll hear the gospel. As they hear the gospel, they'll, they'll come to trust Christ. So let the artificial come. You know, the second is the superficial. The superficial. Now, again, back in our passage in verse number 5, it says, they said, for it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they criticized her. And that's, that's the, most of the disciples chimed in on that. Now, that superficial is uh, not having or showing any depth of character or understanding. That's what it means to be superficial. You know, many of our views on Christian, Christian living and Christian, you know, how we should live this Christian life, they sound spiritual, but they kind of show our lack of depth and character. Many of us mean well, but I like this, this one uh, gentleman said in the Bible study we had for men's Bible study. He said, we are emotion-driven, not spirit-led. And we are. We're just, man, we're, our emotions, what we think and what we feel is spiritual or right is what motivates us and what we do. And really, instead of looking at what, what does God say? You know, what would Jesus do? Right? In Matthew's account, Matthew chapter 26, he says this, but when the, his disciples saw it, see, it's all of them, not just Judas, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Now, I don't know about you. Man, Doug, I don't know how you deal with this. See, I'm just a, I'm just a backup pastor. They didn't have this, and I didn't go to those classes like the other pastors did. We, had, we didn't have those classes on how to wear a microphone. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, brother. So anyway, you know, so they said, why this waste? Why this waste? Now, I'll tell you, I didn't think of much of, it wasn't much of a waste when I spent $500 on a 65-inch TV, right? That wasn't a waste. My wife's like, we don't have a 65-inch TV. Not that you know about, <laughs> you know? And I didn't think it was a waste when I spent $400 or whatever on a game system because I am a gamer. That wasn't a waste. How about that $3,000 on that brand new car? I didn't think that was a waste. I mean, I mean, 30. I did buy a car for $3,000. <laughs> I actually do have a car. I... <laughs> I bought, that's the backup pastor car. <laughs> Got to stick your foot out the door and get it going. Right? I mean, I didn't think it was a waste when we got the jet ski, right? You can tell I'm naming all the things I don't have. Wasn't a waste I bought that new bass boat or that 20th pair of shoes or that 10th purse. Right? Or that three iron. It's the third one I have, right? Third three iron I own. I don't even own. I don't even know what a three iron is. I just saw it on the internet. <laughs> three iron. Right? But it was, that wasn't a waste. But how come giving to God's a waste? 
How come we're so short to give to God? Superficial. We're superficial. You know, I, I was I, I am a um I I am a uh stingy person. I'm a stingy person. And not all because of how I was raised, but but just I remember how life was. You know, there were seven of us, me and my five brothers, and my mom and my dad. So when there was only six pieces of chicken, <laughs> right? That's how it goes. Dad got one and mom got another. So it's like I said, it's like it's like those you know, musical chairs. You know, you got five chairs and six people. One of you ain't gonna, two of you gonna get half a chicken, or or no chicken at all. So you better you better start grabbing grabbing it for that chicken. So I I just a stingy kid. So for me, sacrificing for man, it's one of the hardest things for me to do, to give to God. But here, this this lady here, which is Mary, she sacrificial service, and that's what I really want to talk about: sacrificial service. Now, sacrifice means an act of giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more important or more worthy. So in this, she, she had, you know, this service she did for the Lord. I want to look at some specifics about it. First, let's look at the gift. Now, I don't want you to focus on just solely the, the monetary aspect, just the money of it, because people get their eyes on money. And I think the devil uses that to close their heart off to God. I'm not just talking about that. It's more than that. There's a more spiritual, deeper meaning to this than just the cost. Okay? Now, talk about the gift. Now, the gift, it was Spiker, and Spiker was costly. It was costly. It says there in Mark chapter 14, verse 3 in our passage, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Okay? Now, it, when you kind of look this up the, and, and get some history on this, it said that if a, if a day's wage for a common laborer was a penny or a denarii, according to Matthew chapter 20, and the Jewish year was approximately 354 days minus 50 Sabbaths, four to ten feast days, so, so that left roughly 300 working days for those in Israel. Therefore, the pound of spikenard, which John chapter 12 tells us it was a pound's worth, that spikener was worth about a year's wage, equivalent to saving $20 a week or $80 a month for 20-plus years. That's what, that's what the cost was. Somewhere they're saying around 20000 in our dollars, and some say up to $30,000 for this file. Now, I kind of tend to think it was on the more higher side. And I'll tell you why here in a little bit. Now, you understand, they didn't, they didn't pull out their Jerusalem Express card, you know, and <laughs> swipe it. She didn't go down to the, you know, the first camel bank and trust and get out a loan. That money had to come from somewhere. $20,000. Now, I'm just, I mean, I am an average American. I only own two items in my household, that an item is actually all by itself worth $20,000. One is my house, and the other is one of the three cars that we have. Because one of them doesn't run. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I mean, how many $20,000 items do you have? I mean, that, that item is that much all by itself. 
That's what she gave. You know, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians to the Macedonian church. Well, he, he writes to the Corinthians about the Macedonian churches, and he says this, my brethren. He says, moreover, brethren, when, when, we, uh, when we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, he's talking about the trial of affliction that was happening at the Jerusalem church, of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. So he's saying that the trials of affliction in Jerusalem, but yet you're the, the Macedonian churches, their great joy and even in their deep poverty, they abounded. He said, for I bearing witness that according to their ability, yes, and, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. They, they, they weren't arm twisted. They weren't coerced. They weren't browbeat. They weren't made obligated. They did it of their own free will. They gave, imploring us, imploring, take it, take this. We, we got all this together for the Jerusalem church that's suffering. Take it, Paul. Imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but this is the key part, but they first gave themselves to the Lord. See, that's the key. And then, then unto us by the will of God. See, God... It's not about your money, man. It's about your heart. It's about, it's about your soul. David said when he, had, when he went to, to stay the plague that was in Jerusalem, he went to the threshing floor of Aruna, and it says there in 2 Samuel 24, Now Aruna said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to, to him. Look, here are oxen and burnt, for burnt sacrifice and threshing implements and the yoke of oxen for wood. All these, O king, Aruna has given to the king. And Aruna said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. And then the king said to Aruna, No, because this is all his stuff. He's saying, Hey, king, you can have all my stuff for free. Just take it. Use it. Uh, it's my gift to you. And the king said, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price, nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord, uh, the Lord my God, with that which cost me nothing. You see. So I'm so freely to give stuff that doesn't really cost me anything. Oh, I'll do this for the Lord. I'll do that for the Lord. Oh, yeah, I'll do that, but how about if it costs me? I'm not always talking about money. I'm talking how about your time and your talent, your gifts, what you can do for God? The Bible says, according to Matthew chapter 26, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Matter of fact, he says, he says um, for what, what profit does, it, was it, does a person get if they gain the whole world? You gain everything in the world, and yet you lose your own soul. The Lord is saying that your soul is worth more than everything this world contains. See? You want to give something costly to the Lord? Give him, give him your heart. Give him your soul. That's the most costly thing you can give him. But not only that, it was precious. It was precious. <laughs> I think of Gollum every time I had precious. <laughs> you, know, I'd, you ruined that word. But it was precious, okay? Precious means of great value. That's what this word means. It's it's a very it's it's a it's it's a kind of not g generic but it has it has a broad meaning to it. The same word is used in First Peter chapter three whenever Simon Peter the apostle is writing his letter and he writes to Christian women. He says there in verse three and four, do not let your uh, your adornment be merely outward, arranging of the hair, wearing a gold, or putting on a fine apparel. Now that's not saying that that stuff is bad. It's just saying don't 
it merely be about that. He says, rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of the gentle and quiet. Now that quiet means peaceable and tranquil. With a peaceable and tranquil spirit, which is, and this is our word, very precious in the sight of God. Very precious. The same word. So the idea here is this thing was was of great value to her, not just because of expensive. Now, I would think that anything worth twenty, thirty thousand dollars is going to be precious to you. But it's more than just the cost. It's said of Spikner. Now, here's the, here's the thing I like. It is, it is said here that it is native to northern India, and it was a favorite perfume in antiquity. The prefix spike refers to the shape of the plant from which the oil, oily perfume was obtained. Now, this is the key here. The best, the best spikenard was imported from India and sealed in alabaster boxes. That's what she had. Scripture says she had an alabaster box. She had the best of the best. She had the most costly spike nerd there was. It's precious. And she gave it to the Lord. When I was a kid, we had a cuckoo clock. We called it a cuckoo clock, but it was no cuckoo. It just chimed. It's from Germany. But we were just kids. We called it a cuckoo clock because it would chime on the hour and chime on every half hour. We had to wind it up every month. When we first got my mom first got it, I remember uh, my dad or someone, somebody like that were trying to fix the, the little swinging thing and the little things that are in there to balance it. I don't know what it's called. But it, you have to do all that because it has to keep time. All that balance, because you wind it up and let it go. You know, sometimes it get a little fast. You had to, you know, about every two or three weeks, you push it back about five minutes because it'd be too fast, you know, something like that. And the night I'd wake up and I'd sit there and I didn't want to get out. I don't know, I was probably too scared to get out of bed. And I would hear the, I'd hear that clock chime, dung, make that chime. Now, it would chime just once on the half hour and then chime, you know, ever if it was 1 o'clock, it would chime once, 2 o'clock, two, two times. And so I started to think, man, I wonder what time it is. That one chime, that means it's either 12.30, it's 1 o'clock, or it's 1.30, one of those three. So I would sit there and wait for 30 minutes, wait in my bed <laughs> and listen for it to chime again. And what was to just kill me is that when it would just chime once, bong, again, I'd go, oh, man. So that means it was either, it was either 12.30, now it's 1.00. Or now it's 1 and it's 1.30, so I wait for 30 more minutes <laughs> and listen. And then it time again, and I, okay, now, now what time was it? And I was always sleeping for school. I wonder why. I never did sleep good at night, right? But you know what? When my mom passed away, my brother asked me, he said, hey, of all mom's dad's stuff, what do you want? And I said, you know, I'll, I want the cuckoo clock. You, you guys, out of the five brothers that were there, you guys can have everything, anything else, everything, I don't care. I just want the cuckoo clock. It's precious to me. You know? So that's what the Lord wants, something precious. Precious. Next, it was worthy. It was worthy of the Lord. 
Jesus said there in verse 6, he said, but Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you bother her or trouble her? She has done a good work for me, a good work. And the Lord is worthy of our worship, man. He's, he's worthy of our service. I give my all, my blood, sweat, sweat and tears into my job or, or, or into my kids, you know, or, or inter, my entertainment. The Lord deserves no less. In Acts chapter 4, when we read about Barnabas, it says there in verse 36 and 37, and, and Joseph, or who was also named Barnabas, by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, what's so amazing about that is that Barnabas, of course, you know, Barnabas, he was the, he was the um, mentor of Paul the apostle. He's the one that took a, a Paul under his wing and discipled him. But what's so great about Barnabas is that he's a Levite, and Levites didn't inherit any property when, they, when all the handing out property came about in the times of Joshua. They got cities. They didn't get property. And that's why they were partakers of the tithe and what the, and what the people gave because they had nothing to manage, you know, make crops and take care of themselves. So they, God said that, that I am their tenth. I am, I am their portion. So they partake of what the people bring. So for, through the ages or through time for Barnabas' family to get land, that's a significant thing. And he sells it for the Lord. Gives it for God. It should be worthy of the Lord. It should be worthy. Do we give things worthy of the Lord or just kind of our leftovers? I want to look at the, the secondly is the act of giving. The act. Now it's done for Christ. You know, she did this for the Lord. Back in our same passage we looked at before, it says, but Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. She's done good work for me. She did it for the Lord. She didn't do it for recognition. She didn't do it for a pat on the back. You know, I'll be honest, sometimes, you know, uh, uh, things that happen in church, I think, man, I'm the backup pastor. I got to show up. And I tell my wife, uh, you know, what will they think? I, I got to, you know, go to this or go to that. I feel bad. It's not because I want to do it for the Lord. It's just because I don't want people to say something about me. Totally wrong motive. Should be done for Christ. When Paul tells the bondservant, he tells him about working for somebody who's really not worthy of working for. He says, you don't do it with eye service there in Colossians chapter 3. He says, don't do it with eye service as men pleasers. You've you got to do it with sincerity of heart. Fearing God, he says, and whatever you do, do it hardly as unto the Lord, not unto men. So, you know, she, she did it for the Lord. She didn't do it for, to be recognized or people say anything about him. When I was young, and, and I you know, got saved when I was 11, so when I was about 16, 17, 18, something like that, my way of witnessing was I walk up to somebody and say, hi, and he's like, oh, hey, Bob, and how you doing? My name's Casey. Hey, how are you going to get out of going to hell? That is exactly how I, what's what I do. I had no tact whatsoever. I had He's like, oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. So this is how I was. My friends got me a plaque. <laughs> no, actually, it was a compliment. I had a lot of zeal with no knowledge. They gave me a plaque that said, only one life will, will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. That's what they gave me. So what are you doing for Christ? 
on the on the wall there in uh, Palestine in in the uh, in the office has this phrase. It says, "Character is how you treat those who can do nothing for you." Character is how you treat those who can do nothing for you. You know what happens if we didn't have this promise of blessings? That God says, oh, when you, when you do this for me and you do a lot, I'll bless you. What is if we didn't have that? Will we still serve God? Will we still give? Will we still sacrifice? Because are we really doing it for him or am I just doing it so I want to get blessed by God? Only was it done for Christ, but it was limited. It was limited in the sense that, you know what, she, this was day number whatever, six days or so before. She, she, there's a limited amount of time that she had this opportunity. And then Christ would be crucified, and she wouldn't have this opportunity anymore. In Mark chapter 10, the story of blind Bartimaeus, and everybody who's been in Sunday school knows this, right? Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. It says there in Mark chapter 10, and now they came to Jericho, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. They came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude, and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then when they Warned him to be quiet, but he, car- he cried all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still. I love that phrase. Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man and said to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he calls for you. See, because that instance in Jericho was the day before Jesus went to Bethany and Mary had anointed him, which was the Saturday before he went into Jerusalem and a few days later was crucified. This was his last chance. This is the last chance of Jesus walking by. You know, this might be your last chance. You, you don't know what you have and what you can do, you know, this opportunity to serve God, to do something for him. You can't say, oh, well, you know, we'll wait till the kids grow up. Oh, we'll, we'll wait till I get that new job. Oh, we'll, you know, we'll wait till we get this paid off. You don't have that time. You don't have that time. You know, she served despite opposition. Now, I'm not saying that we throw caution to the wind or turn our, um, turn our ear from scriptural advice, but she didn't let opposition stop her. People say, oh, you're, cra- you're crazy. Why do you keep going to that church? She served despite opposition. And then last, I want to look at the giver. I want to look at the giver. You know, she, the first one look at what she did, her, her herself, and that is she, you know, she placed the Lord above herself. More than likely, as a lady, and I'm not trying to say anything bad, okay, but on the shelf, my wife has like 10 bottles of perfume. Yeah, you know, for, for have her mood. Oh, I'm in a mood for to be breezy. I'll, I'll maybe I'm more flowery today. And she does that. And she even, she's, she even sounds like that too. And I come in, I got one little can, I think, she made me buy. That's all I got. I'm done. That'll last me a week. That's good for the week. That's it. No doubt she bought this for herself. $20,000. Somehow, however she got this, and it's like I said, I don't know if I got time, but 
Mary, Martha, Lazarus, three siblings, no mention of parents, no, no mention of spouses. These three together. So they, they just, a lot of things they kind of think of what's going on. Martha is the head of the house. We, we get that by the way she acts. She takes care of the house, makes sure everything's, people are fed when the people come in. So she, um, she's ahead. So that means Martha is not in charge. I'm, I'm sorry, Mary's not in charge. She's not in charge. Someone else controls the finances and all that that's going on. It's Martha. Whether they were orphans or they just never got married because some think Lazarus was sickly, so they took care of Lazarus because, you remember, he died. We don't know. You know, there's a few details we can pull through this. One thing we do know is they were well off because of the house that they had when they had everybody over and Martha was serving. It had to be a large house to accommodate all those people. At least, probably they say 20 and Jesus' disciples and those immediate other people that followed. You've got to have a house that's big enough to do that. A little bitty common house is only one room. That's, that wasn't a house. They had to have a house with a courtyard and all that. That's why, she was, that's why she had this expensive perfume. But the thing is, is that her not being the head of the house, she didn't control the money. So however she got this, whether it was some, maybe some money she got or whatever, her inheritance or something that she spent all that she had, and she got this perfume. This is, what, this, is all, this is what she had. And she gives it to the Lord. She, she pours it on him and not on herself. She put the Lord befo- before herself. John said, he must increase, but I must decrease. That's John the Baptist said that. He must increase, but I must decrease. And that's how she thought. But not just that, but she, she placed the Lord above others because the same situation happened. Again, in my mind, how I think is that if she was going to use this ointment that she might have gotten it for herself, but she wanted to use it for somebody that she cared about, somebody that she had great affection for and, and had, you know, her, her heart was too, and, and she knew that their end was coming because we understand that. She understood that Jesus' days were numbered. That's why she did this. She didn't use it on her brother who passed away just before that. Because she knew he was dying. He'd been dying for, he'd been sickly and, and passing and dying before them. And then that's why they kept trying to get Jesus, but Jesus never came. And she never said, you know what, Lazarus, this is the last day. I'm going to see you, my, my brother. I'm going to break this ointment and it's going to be for you because I love you. She didn't use it on Lazarus. She's on the Lord. And then she placed the Lord above her circumstances. Place the Lord above her circumstances. Like I said, it's likely that she was probably never going to be able to buy this again. This is her one chance. In Habakkuk chapter 3, it says this, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor, it's Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no fruit, though the flock may be cut off from the field, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I'll rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. He will make me walk on the high hills. And it closes as to the chief musician. 
A lady, June Foster, kind of rewrote it. says, this is kind of this Habakkuk in modern times. So we understand it. She's wrote, though I do not have the money to buy more than rice and beans at the grocery store, and I can't pay the electric bill, though my car is sitting on empty and I can't find a job, though there's very little food left in the cabinet and only oatmeal to set on the table for my kids, yet I will joy in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my, my Savior, the, save, the sovereign Lord who will provide. He enriches my faith and opens the doors to his provisions. He supplies that job I need so badly and lifts me out of my poverty because I seek first the kingdom of God. That's, that's placing God above your circumstances. You know, the last verse here, that's this last thing that I really stuck out to me is that he says this, she done what she could. She has done what she could. We, like I said, we don't know, but Jesus recognized this is all she could do. So that's what I was saying. It's, apparently, she, he knew that she was never going to be able to do this again or never have this ointment, probably. She done what she could. Now, you know what? I never got my mom's cuckoo clock. I let my sister-in-law have it. Because she was from Germany. And she, living there in the same city as my mom, and was there when her times when she got sickly and all that, and had been there for so many years, she was like the sister, my, you know, the daughter my mom never had. And so when we went down there to see him, there was that cuckoo clock sitting in their living room. But I did what I could. That's the least I could do for them. And that's what the Lord's asking. He says... I just want you to do what you can. Nothing great and grand. Nothing to be dazzling and all that. He just wants to know, have you done what you could? Have you done what you could? Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, again, I just want to thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to preach. And I pray, God, that you would bless the word and bless bless what was said and that you might be glorified. Father, lift our hearts up and help us, Lord, to serve you with all that we have. We put you first in our life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.